0: Than all that we see, think, imagine, or ask. And it's in Jesus' name that we all said. Amen. Amen. You guys may be seated. Alright, really quick, really quick. Look at a couple people beside you to give them a high five and say, Are you ready today? Alright, if they don't look awake this morning, you have the permission to nudge them in the ribs, whatever you need to do to make sure we're all good to go. Hey, I want to invite you to turn to one of my favorite passages of scripture in the Bible in Matthew chapter 16. As we look at today, who do you think Jesus is? Uh, I, if you're like me today, I really look at it and just think, man, hasn't the Lord been good to us so far at Fuge this week? And we're just getting really started, right? And there's so much more that we have to go through, but I want you to think about this question this morning. As we think about what does it mean to turn to Jesus and the direction of who he is, the question comes down to who do you think Jesus is? And if I were to ask that question to you today, a lot of you would say, okay, I believe he's Lord or he's my Savior. All types of different things that you may say, but ultimately it comes down to we must have an idea that not only what our opinion is, but what does God's word teach us? So in addition to being a pastor, I've had the privilege for a few years of serving as a religion faculty, like a professor at a college college. But this isn't a christian college that i worked at for years it was a state school a very secular university and in fact as i was teaching world religions in old testament and new testament a lot of times I would have faculty members that would come in and just stand in the door, look very angry at me with their, their arms crossed, and just sort of taking notes, recording stuff, turning me in on different stuff. I would invite them in. Hey, if you're going to sit there at the door, why don't you come in? You might learn something, right? And so I actually had a petition that was going around the university because they said I was teaching dangerous things. Let me show you what the dangerous textbook was in a state university. You ready to see it? This. This was the dangerous book in that university, and they were very uneasy with me coming. And so, like, I would try to teach these students about, okay, you've got to come down to who do you think Jesus is. Now, being in South Carolina, there were a lot of folks who they had this belief and understanding of they, they had this that they sort of inherited from their family's faith. But in reality, here's what I learned about some of these folks is that they had never made their faith personal. And so a lot of times I'd give them an uh, assignment to write a paper or something like this, and I would say, make sure that you have a credible source, and I want to make sure you're actually reading books and there's someone who's spoken on this. And you know what? Most of the bibliographies, there was a source that they came upon over and over and over. It was this source called Wikipedia. Now, how many of you—all right, I no, no, don't show the hands, okay? I just want to let you know, Wikipedia can be very helpful in a pinch, but it's not the most reliable source in the world. And you're like, it's not, it's really not, okay? Because how many of you know that you can write something that says something like, I don't know, um, you can write some type of fact about something, some of your favorite sports team or something, and then all of a sudden, a minute later, I can come along and do what? I can change it, right? You could say that Alabama was the best football team in the nation. I go, actually, no, they weren't last year, right? Okay, I could come along and do this, and someone could edit it, and this, and back and forth, and we could edit it all over the places and just continue to make changes. Now, is that a reliable source of information? No, because if you can change what the content is, and I can change what the content is, nobody knows what the truth is. Well, here's the thing. While a lot of these students would go to Wikipedia for their information, here's what I believe personally today. I believe our culture worships what I like to call the wiki God. We want to serve a deity, a God whom we have the freedom to edit. We live in a culture right now where everybody wants to come alongside and say, what is you believe about God? What do I believe about God? And we want to come alongside and edit what we think and who God is. And in fact, you may have done this before where someone that you have listened to and and, and that you'll be saying, hey, I learned this in the Bible and they may even say like this, I don't think God is like that. And they're gonna say, this is what my opinions are. We worship what I like to call the wiki God. We want to edit who we think God is through this. And the theological slogan for our culture is this, I just don't think God is like that. How many times have I heard someone come up to me and say, pastor, I know whatever, but I, I just don't think he's like that. My version of God is like this. He's always happy, and he's always giving me nice stuff. He's never telling me what I need to do in my life. Like, that's my version of God. The reality is this, is that we don't need a version of God. We need who God is. And so while our culture loves to come alongside with their own ideas and edit what the Bible teaches about God, it comes down to this very important thing for all of us to realize. And this is going to sound a little harsh for you this morning. But if we're going to really turn to who Jesus is, this is important for us to know it doesn't matter what you or I think about God, it matters what God thinks about God. It doesn't matter what you think about God or what I think about God, it matters what God thinks about God. And you may go, wait a minute, wait a minute, pastor. I've heard a time when Jesus asked Peter, asked the disciples, who do you think that I am? I'm so glad you brought that out. Let's look at it together and see what Jesus really said because ultimately, if we don't have a correct view of who God is, we're going to miss him altogether. So in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus's ministry is booming. Tons of people are coming to him, everybody's talking about him, and this is what it comes down, let's start in verse 13. It says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets, and he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Let me just stop there for a second. Do you catch what's going on? He just looks at these guys and goes, hey, are, are people talking about me out there? Oh, man, everywhere we go, they're talking about you. What do, they, what do they say about me, guys? Some people think you're John the Baptist, or some people think you're like one of the prophets, like, you know, that died and came back to life. You kind of sound like one of those guys, right? And then he looks at, at, at these guys and asks one of the most life history-altering questions that's ever been offered in this world. When he looks at them and says, okay... But who do you say that I am? It's fine what other people in this culture say, but, but who do you say that I am? And that's when you're saying, wait a minute, doesn't it matter who, what I say about God? Look what happens next. Now, you, you realize this whenever you read the Bible. You always know you hold your breath whenever Peter opens his mouth, right? Because you never know what he's going to say. He, he normally gets himself in trouble. This is one time he got it right. Look, look what it happens. Verse 16. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ. The son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. By the way, bar means like you're the son of, so your daddy's name is Jonah. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. So your earthly daddy didn't give this to you, your heavenly daddy just did. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one (laughs) that he was the Christ. Now, this is interesting to me because a lot of people will look at this passage of scripture and they'll say, you know what, isn't that beautiful? It didn't matter what other people thought about Jesus. It mattered, Jesus wanted to know what Peter thought or what John thought. He's like, "What, what do you think about this? Let me just make sure you understand this. That God doesn't accommodate personal opinions if they are incorrect. Okay, God doesn't accommodate personal opinions if they are incorrect. So let me just tell you what would have happened. If at that moment where Jesus said, guys, who do you think that I am? You personally, if Jesus would have said this, uh, Jesus, I think you're a great guy, I just don't think you're a great God. You know what, Peter, uh, what Jesus would not have said that moment? Oh, Peter, thank you so much for that little nice personal opinion there. I think you're wrong, but let's just have a big tolerant group hug and sing kumbaya, right? No, if Jesus would have heard him speak a lie, would Jesus have corrected it? Absolutely. So why was Jesus um, uh, affirming him at this moment? Because Peter got it right. And not because Peter was smart. It wasn't because his earthly father had revealed this to you. It was that his, his heavenly father had. And so now, you would think in this moment, if Peter literally, Jesus has just said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church, everything from this point on, from that faith statement that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, from that there, man, everybody's going to remember this moment. You would think that Peter knows how to end on a high note and keep his mouth shut for the rest of the week, right? It's not what happens. Look what happens next in the verse 21. From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Now just stop for a second. So just just imagine this. We we learned uh, a couple nights ago that we were created in the image of who? God we were created in the image of God and there's this old philosopher by the name of Voltaire who used to say it this way God um, man was created in the image of God and ever since then man has been trying to repay the favor and what does that mean it means this ever since God created us in his image we've been trying to recreate God in our image you ever thought about this that God always thinks like you in your mind he always doesn't like the people you don't like he always has certain opinions on certain things, and we try to recreate his image. And here's this moment where Jesus says, So, Peter, you think that I'm the Christ? I'm the Son of the living God? I'm the Messiah? And he goes, Yeah, I do. He goes, Let me tell you what the Messiah is gonna do. The Messiah is going to the cross. And, Je- and Peter goes, Not my Messiah. My Messiah is not gonna suffer. My Messiah is not going to struggle. My Messiah is not going to get beaten. My Messiah is not going to go to the cross. My Messiah has come here to take out the Roman government to give us freedom again. Like my Messiah is the victor and not the victim. So what did he try to do in this moment? God made Peter in his image and now Peter wanted to repay the favor. That's what's happening. God had created Peter in his image and now Peter's wanting to recreate the favor. He's wanting to say, "Repay." Let me, let me recreate you into my image. And what happens here, this is kind of shocking because Jesus had just given Simon a new nickname, Peter, which meant kind of basically Rocky. Hey, Rocky, on what you just said there, I'm going to build my church, way to go. And now Jesus is going to give Peter a new nickname. It's not Rocky, it is the devil. Now, by the way, if, if you ever learn that Jesus calls you the devil, you want to figure out why and don't do that again, okay? Just kind of rules for life. Look what happens verse 23. But he turned and said to Peter, "Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man." Now isn't that interesting that what happens here? That can you imagine that the first created being that ever tries to recreate God in some other image was the devil? It says that the devil was cast out of heaven because he tried to take over, because he didn't like the way that God was running things. And what is the first thing that Satan does to mankind, Adam and Eve? Oh, are you sure that God said that, Adam and Eve? Are you sure? Oh, come on, you can rip that page out. You don't have to listen to that. Why don't you just, if you eat of that fruit, guess what's going to happen? You're going to know what he knows. You can be like him. You can take over his place. So what happens here is that Peter begins to say this, I don't want Jesus to be this version. I want him to change. I want him to be like me. And that's when Jesus looks straight to the heart and knows exactly who's saying this. It's not Peter. It's Satan influencing this moment. Can I just tell you that for all of us here today, we have to come down to this. Stop trying to change Jesus and learn how to embrace Jesus. Each and every single one of us has to learn that we're gonna stop learning how to try to change him into some image that we want him to be and we've got to embrace him for who he is. This Jesus came on a rescue mission to go to the cross to die a vicious, horrible death so that you and I don't have to endure the wrath of God. And he came upon us and we want to embrace that and not be like Satan and Peter trying to change him every time things get difficult. Can I just tell you this? Plenty of people want you to follow their version of Jesus. Which way will you turn? I mean, plenty of people want you to follow their version of Jesus, but which way will you turn? Here's the thing I want every single person here to hear me say, I don't need your version of Jesus. You don't need my version of Jesus, we just need Jesus. We need him for who he is. I can remember this was um, a few months ago, I was in Senegal, a country over in Africa, on a mission team. We were living in a village and trying to take the gospel to a culture that is predominantly Muslim. And as we were walking through the streets one day, we came upon an imam, and that is the religious teacher in the Muslim faith. He was kind of the leader, the pastor, I guess, if you will, of that group of people. And as he saw us as Americans coming, he asked us really quickly, he yelled out, he had a few wives there and a few of his kids and a few of his friends sitting out there beside his house. And he goes, have you come here to bring me money from America? And we said, we don't have any money. He goes, what are you here for? And we said, we come to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, I've heard that message before. I don't want to hear it again. And I said, well, what version of it did you hear? What did you hear that you didn't like? And he begins to talk to me. And one day I I said, I said, Imam... I said, let me ask you a question. I said, have you ever read in your holy book, the Quran about Jesus? And they said, yeah, I've read about Jesus. And I said, what have you found out about Jesus? And he says, what have you found out about Jesus? I said, well, I read the Quran years ago so that I could make sure I really believe as a Christian what the Bible says. And I said, have you read it? He goes, I have read it. Why don't you teach it to me? I said, you want me to teach you the Quran? He goes, I wanna know if you've actually read it and studied it. I said, okay, I'll tell you. This is what the Quran, the, the Muslim holy book says about Jesus That Jesus was a great prophet, and that he lived a really great life, and he was about to go to the cross. But before he went to the cross, follow this, this is what the Quran teaches in the Muslim faith. Before Jesus went to the cross, Jesus got to get off out of that assembly line, and someone else went to the cross for him that looked like him. Jesus got a substitute. Instead of Jesus being our substitute, Jesus got a substitute, and he ascended into heaven without dying. And I said, Iman, is that right? He said, you have studied the Quran. And I said, have you ever studied this book? He said, no, I have not. I said, can I tell you what, what it says about Jesus in there? He said, sure. And I began to tell him that Jesus was not only, he did not get a substitute, he came as a substitute. And he died on the cross for our sins. And then he rose from the dead victorious. And now he lives in heaven. And I said, Iman, by I have a question for you. Can both the Quran and the Bible be correct at the same time? And he looks at me and goes, no, they cannot. And I said, I cannot tell you which one is true, but I can tell you this, both of them cannot be true. You cannot tell me that you're right and I'm right at the same time. I said, what do you think happened? And this Iman, who has lived in a Muslim context his entire life, looks at me and he says, I think your Bible is correct about Jesus. And I said, do what? And his wives looked at him, and I said, I know, I know, right? And they just looked shocked. And I said, do you understand what this means? You cannot follow the God of the Bible and the God of the Quran. You understand this, right? He goes... I do understand this. And I said, are you ready to follow Jesus? He said, somebody's going to have to teach me. And and there in that moment, I want to let you know this. In the same way that Iman cannot follow two gods and he cannot follow a version of God, you and I cannot either. We cannot follow some version of God. You have to decide, am I going to turn and follow and choose to follow the God of the Bible? Today is the opportunity for every single one of us to, to really unpack this. Have you turned to Jesus? Have you turned and said, I'm gonna follow the God of the Bible and not the God of my own making? Let me pray for us today. God, as we jump into your truth, as we seek to follow you, as we seek to learn more about you, God, we're gonna have the opportunity this very day to turn in the direction, not of some version of you, but who you truly are. And God, so in the same way that you were calling out, as you had called out to Peter, you're calling out to us, who do you say that I am? And it doesn't matter so much that we have a personal opinion. We need to be correct. We need to be true. We need to know your word. So today, would you open the eyes of my friends here? Would they begin to know you for who you are in your word? It's in the strong name of Jesus we pray and all God's people said, amen.
1: There's this festival that happens every year in Asia where thousands of lanterns are released as part of a Buddhist festival. If you've seen a certain Disney movie, you may be familiar with this site. So what is the meaning of releasing a lantern? And where do all these lanterns go? The lanterns are made of rice paper and bamboo along with a wax ring like this. It is believed that by sending these lanterns into the sky, they are sending away their sins and bad luck into the air. Traditionally, the festival is meant as a time to obtain merit and give worship to Buddha. Many see this festival, though, more as a photo op for their bucket list and Instagram account. Can releasing a lantern really release sins? The thing about releasing sins is they always come back to you. The next day, the lanterns are scattered throughout the city. What goes up must come down. We know that faith in Jesus is the only way sins can be forgiven. This week at Fuge Camp, would you pray that those across Asia would come to know this as well?
2: So tomorrow night you all will have an opportunity to give towards our East Asia missions offering. And so if that's something that you're interested in doing, please pray about it. We would love for you all to partner with us in that way. And we would love for you all to partner with us in prayer as well. And again, if you are interested in getting more information about missions, it could be uh, with this specific program or any of our other programs with the International Mission Board and a couple others, please visit our missions table. It's just right upstairs at the Feud Store, which will be available during hang time this afternoon and tonight all right how many of you guys like volleyball anybody okay yes yeah, so we have a volleyball tournament happening today during hang time we have a sign up sheet for you and your team just right outside in the lobby so go ahead and sign up for that that will be in lahaye again that tournament so make sure you head on over there we will still have Our transportation, which will they will pick people up, again, just right between the cafeteria and the music hall here from around 415 to 515. So make sure you hop on those buses and get on over to La Haye. Also during hang time today, we will have the pool and the rock wall, which will be over in La Haye as well. And then we also have the bowling alley, which is over in DeMoss. So go ahead and check those places out if you need some free time activities. We'll have games in the lobby here at the Music Hall again. And then also, just a friendly reminder, make sure you drink your water at sight. What are you gonna do? Yes, perfect, excellent. All right, so who's ready for another awesome day here at Fuge Camps? All right, so who would like to be dismissed first? Let's see, let's see. Okay, okay. So I'm gonna say this half of the room, you guys are dismissed. From this side over, you are dismissed. Adults, remember you are staying in here.